So we're, um, we're in a series called The Honor Culture. Everybody say honor. honor. Culture. Say it again. Honor. honor. Culture. And so we're in our third part of a four-part series, and we opened up with just the power of dishonor and how we live in a, a generation um, that hasn't really learned how to honor, how to respect. And our key scripture came out of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. We've been uh, quoting this passage every, one, every part of the series. Live as servants of God. And I think that's really powerful. Live as servants of God. What do you live as? You live as a football player, you live as a worker, you live as a nurse. Live as servants of God. You know what? I may not have it all right, but I'm doing my best to live like a servant of God. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And continues on. It says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And as the Lord is having Peter pin this, um, the apostle Peter pin this, uh, the Israelites, the, the people of God, the Christians are under persecution by Nero. He's actually killing Christians. And so that the Lord our God would say to his people, I want you to show honor even though the emperor is trying to kill you. It's just a huge understanding of the nature of our God and what he asks us to be like him in, to honor. And the word honor means to value as extremely precious, to give respect. How many of you guys love to get respect from people? Come on, don't you love it? To be honest, let's tell the truth. How many of you love disrespect? You love being disrespected. It feels so good. Dishonor, therefore, means to treat as common, to not give respect. And so as we were in this series the last couple of weeks, last week we identified a few entities that God in his holy scripture tells us to honor. And we pointed out four entities. There's multiple persons or peoples or entities we're supposed to honor in scripture. But I just wanted to focus on what I would deem kind of the top four or the, the four that seem to be mentioned the most. And we started last week. The first one that the word tells us to honor is the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. That the Lord is precious in our lives. That God is not our little get out of jail free card. Uh, that God is not, uh, he, he, you know, he's not Santa Claus that gives us little gifts. He's, he, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He takes the world and he holds it in the palm of his hands. And he's picked you and me. And he calls us sons and daughters. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is Lord. He's not our buddy. He's not a little lap dog. He kisses us in the face. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then he reaches down and he says, I don't call you servants, I'll call you friends. He embraces us like his very own son and daughters. And the God of gods of heaven and earth, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is Lord. And we should respect him, we should honor him, and we should treat him as valuable. The second entity that, that we studied last week that we should honor according to scripture is our parents. Fathers and mothers, we learned how to do that in different phases. And one of the goals in the series was not just to identify that we needed to learn and to grow in how we honor or get free ourselves from being dishonorable to others, but we also need to know how to do that. So practical applications. I, I've been in those meetings over the years where, I mean, it was just a good word, hallelujah, and someone would ask me, man, how was it? It was awesome. What'd you learn? I don't know, but it was good. Good. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow with it, but it was good. It inspired me. So our goal in this was to be sure that you didn't just get inspired for change, but you actually had some practical tools that you could put in place. So as we move in today, we're going to look at three and four. We studied one and two, the entities that were to honor. Three and four. You ready? Here's, the, here's number three. You're going to love it. This is awesome. You ready? The Bible teaches us to honor authority. Well, three of you. All right, here we go. 
Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 through 2. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. I'll never forget reading this as a new Christian. I was like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this. All authority has been established by God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Verse 2, consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. All authority has been established by God. Now, you and I understand this, is that the God of heaven and earth is a God of order. If I could take you back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis, when it talks about the earth was formless and, and, and void, it was without form. That, that actually, if you go back and, and, and study the original verbiage there, it actually is even translated out better that the earth, the, 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 what you and I know as the earth, was full of chaos. It was disorderly. And then on the first day, God created. And on the second day, God created. God brought order to all of the chaos. Our God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And so when you see a bunch of chaos, you don't find God in the middle of that because he's a God of order. So what this passage is really teaching us is that God created the order of authority. He needs order in the world. And so he set up authoritative positions. He set up an orderly way by which we engage and we do life. And the problem many times is, is that wicked people get in these positions and these places of authority. And so therefore, as a result of that, the people mourn. In fact, let me take you what Proverbs says in chapter 29 and verse 2. It says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. God set up the need for us or the, the ability for us to have order in our worlds. And he did that by creating authoritative and, if you will, authority headships so that we all could walk in submission. And here's what I've learned over the years at this stage in my life, everybody's got authority in somebody's life and everyone needs to submit to somebody. That's just the way life is. Such is life. And so when the Bible tells us to submit to those in authority, God himself says that this is, I've set this authority up. That, that God set up the need for authority. God set up the, the organization of authority. But friend, it is imperative that you and I, as believers, as righteous people, get in positions of authority because when the wicked rule, the people mourn. And can I just say this, no matter how much you out overthrow a system and change a system, if wicked people get in that system, it's still not going to be good. So you can have the best system with the wrong people leading. And so this is why believers, Christians, people who love God need to get in positions of authority because when you're in positions of authority, the people are blessed. The people, uh, they experience the righteousness of God that's flowing through you. But when we get people that are wicked and have selfish ambition and selfish motives and positions of authority, they begin to harm and do injustice to those around them. And as a result, we find the Bible says very clearly back in that Proverbs that the people groan. Everybody say groan. Everybody say groan. It's not so much about the system. It's about the fact that wickedness is running the systems. And so when he tells us to submit to authority, that he's put authority in place He's teaching us that he is a God of order. And he's teaching us to honor, even though at times they may not be honorable. In fact, I love that John Bevere speaks on this in one of his books. He talks about the lawlessness that's in the earth. He quotes, John Bevere quotes uh, 2 Thessalonians, and I think it's appropriate here. 2 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 7 says this, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, talking about the Holy Spirit, 
who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So here's what's happening. There is a spirit of lawlessness on the earth bringing destruction and division, chaos. You say, I don't know if I really believe that. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You go out of town for a weekend and leave a bunch of junior high kids in your house and see what happens. I got you one better. Let them just play on the playground all day long with no teachers and no assistant principal. Just let a bunch of you and see the chaos that happens. Lawlessness is in the earth, but it's the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Lawlessness is on the earth. This destruction, this chaos, this anarchy is in the earth, but it's the Holy Spirit. He, he keeps pushing that back. And when a believer full of the Holy Spirit gets in a position of authority, gets in a position of able to help others, what that does is push back that lawlessness. But when you and I, when you and I come into agreement with dishonor, we actually propagate lawlessness. So when we dishonor authority, when we treat them as not valuable, and, and when we say that they're not of any value to us, and they're, they're terrible or horrible, whatever we may would do in dishonor, what it actually does is propagate the lawlessness. And the John Bevere has this whole teaching on this. I thought it was real powerful. In fact, he's got a great book called The Bait of Satan that you could go. I, I never forget when I read it the first time. I was so mad about it because, uh, you know, our pastor had it to read it. And so I was like, he just wants us to be not, he's just trying to tell us something. And, I, I, I mean, so I had to get delivered from my, you know, my lawlessness. Anyway, and so we see in these holy scriptures that we are called to submit to authority. I, uh, years ago, um, when I was running um, Christ for the Nations, I, I served there now a couple days a week, but when I was in charge of the Bible school, I had these partnerships in the city. Uh, the students that go to the Bible school uh, here in, in the Oak Cliff area, Christ for the Nations, most of them um, are paying their way through school, probably 95% of them. And so the class goes till noon, and then they go work jobs and pay for their schooling. And so um, I would always work partnerships with some of the, the businesses downtown, you know, because they could park cars and make a lot of money. There was a kid who worked at American Airlines Center while he was going to Bible school and was making $50,000 a year back in those days, you know, serve, serving food, you know, to the people up front in the American Airlines Center. Just phenomenal with tips. He's making a fortune. And so I'll never forget, I had this one particular uh, business that I sent a lot of people to, and he stopped hiring people. And so after about a year, I noticed that, and, and he wouldn't return my emails. So I finally got him on the phone, uh, the owner, and I said, hey, wh what's the problem? I realize you're not hiring anybody. Serious. He goes, well, because of so-and-so. And I said, who's so-and-so? And he told me about a gal that he had hired that was one of our students. She was a little older. She had already lived some life. She was in her 30s. She wasn't an 18-year-old. He said, and so, you know, I really put her in a, a pretty important position in our company. He said, but here's the problem. He said, every day, she'd just sit around praying with everybody, reading her Bible and preaching. And so I would sit her down and say, hey, listen, I need you to do your job. Listen, we, didn't, we didn't hire you as a chaplain. We hired you, you know, to do this administrative job. And she, would, she started complaining that we were persecuting her. He said, I wasn't persecuting her. I hired her to do a job she's not doing. And so we tried to help her with training and so forth and so on. And, and he said, this went on for six, nine months. And finally, we just couldn't take it anymore. And so, you know, the XO said, hey, we got to get rid of her. And so, so we set her down very kindly. And, and he goes, look, I'm a Christian. He said, but, you know, I'd find her at the coffee pot for two hours and not doing her job. And then when we go to correct her, she'd complain and say that we were persecuting her. And he said, and, so, and I'm a believer. He said, I love God. And he goes, and so it just, it just wasn't, we couldn't do it anymore, he said. So we let her go. And he goes, you know what happened the day we let her go? She stole money out of the petty cash. He said, so I just decided I'm never hiring them Bible school students again because they all must be wicked. And so I had to break it down. Hey, listen, I am so sorry that you got a bad apple and we don't teach that or believe that. But friend, can I tell you what happened to her? 
Somewhere along the line, she saw authority as someone that she didn't have to respect or honor or listen to. She somehow created some false doctrine that God's will was for her to go around on her job and preach and minister to everybody instead of doing her job. It didn't have to be either or. It could be both. But she didn't want to submit to her authority. And as a result, she gave Jesus a bad name. Come on, somebody. She gave the Bible school a bad name. And she gave herself a bad name. All because she thought that what she wanted to do was more valuable than what her boss wanted her to do. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. And so the Word of God teaches us very clearly to submit to authority. So let me, let me give you a couple practical concepts on how we can honor those in authority in our lives. Number one, submit to the fact that God allowed them into that position. Submit to the fact that God allowed them into that position. They may not be good at it. They may, they may stink at it. They may not be morally apt uh, or up to par. But God allowed them to be in that position. God allowed them to be in that place. When I, was, uh, when I quit, I quit um, university to go to Bible school, the Lord called me out of university to go to Bible school. And so that first year in Bible school, I got a job at a law office. And, uh, and I was a runner. Uh, I don't even know if they have that position anymore. But uh, what would happen was these attorneys would need to file uh, depositions and things like that at the courthouse. And so they would finish it up and they would hand it to some little dude, i.e. me. And we would run to the law office. You'd drive and then find a place to park and run in. And we needed to get it, you know, we needed to get it filed at a certain time. Or they would send us over here to get this from this other attorney's office or run over here and do that. And so that was my job. And, and I was in the middle of Bible school. And as I was working for this gentleman within the first couple of weeks, he had called himself a believer. He went to First Presbyterian downtown and he called himself a believer. This man was wicked. He was cheating on his wife. He messed with every one of the women in the office. Uh, uh, you know, he was just a wicked individual. He lied. He told half-truths. He dominated and, and intimidated everybody in the office. He made everyone feel stupid. And I had a choice to make in the middle of working for this person. Again, I'm in the middle of Bible school, and I get to choose. Do I want to say to him, you're full of the devil, and up yours, and, ta- and, 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 and go against him? Or could I just say, you know what? I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. And so what I did, I decided after reading the Holy Scripture, I'm supposed to submit to this imperfect, immoral liar of a person. I'm just going to do my best to do my job and show him as much respect and honor as I could. And I worked there for about nine months, made good money. Thank you, Jesus. Helped me pay my way through Bible school. Come on, somebody. And at the end of it all, it came to an end. I was kind of done with the time and, uh, and graduating Bible school, and I was going to move into a ministry position at our church. And so I, I, I gave my two weeks notice, and he wanted to, my last day, he wanted to do an exit interview, which I thought was pretty cool. And he sat me down. He said, I want to tell you something. Out of all the young men that I've hired for this position, you stayed longer than anybody else. He said, and that's, that, that shows your character and your integrity. He said, not only that, but you did your job really well. And so I, if you ever need a reference or anything, he said, I will, I, I, I will please, you, you've been one of the best workers I ever had. I said, well, thank you. I said, well, may I speak to you on something? He said, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I said, well, um, you know, I want to just point out to you with all due respect, sir, as my elder, um, you call yourself a Christian and you are not. I said, you're a liar. I said, you, I, I watched you lie on this, lie on that. You and I got into it one time when you wanted me to lie and, uh, and, and say that I was going to park in a place that was illegal to park in and I refused to do that. And you got mad and I still was able to get it, get it done even though, you know, I could have been towed or anything like that. I, I, I said, not only that, but you cheated on your wife. You know you're cheating on your wife. I, I had to bring stuff over to this place, blah, 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 blah. And I just want you to know with all due respect that one day you're going to stand before the Almighty and give an account of it. I could see this man boiling over. He's doing this. 
And, uh, and I said, but I want you to know, I love you, and I'm praying for you. And that's why you never, I never disrespected you while I worked here. And, uh, but since this is my last day, you can't do nothing. I'm already leaving. <laughs> and so again, I, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to stick it to the man, but I felt like I had a duty to tell him the truth. And in that moment, he calmed down, this peace came over him. He looked at me, he said, I've never had a man talk to me like this. He said, you're going to make a good preacher. <laughs> and then guess what he said? He said, just pray for me. I said, okay. I said, grab my hand. And this older man, very successful. I mean, his name's on the, on, the, on the building. It's his building. Very successful uh, attorney. Grab my hand and let me say a little prayer over him. I didn't have to disrespect him to get to the moment to help him. Because I respected him and showed him honor, even in his wickedness, I had the opportunity to actually pray with him. I want you to understand that God has allowed them to be in that position. And God's got you in that position next to him so that you can be light. And part of being light is show, show them respect even though they may not deserve it. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Here's the second the way that I would teach you to honor those in authority. And that is treat them as valuable. Treat them as valuable. You say, well, pastor, how do I do that? I don't know. You tell me. I don't work on your job. I don't, I don't work with those people like you do. I don't have, that's an authority in your life. I don't know. How can you treat them as valuable? You tell me. What would that look like? How could you make them feel and know that you value them? What would that look like? I don't know. Is that gift giving? Is that words of affirmation? I don't know what that is, but you will know. God will show you. But treat them as value. Brings me to the third uh, thing that I would teach you how to honor those in authority, and that is make them successful. Make them successful. One of the things that happens is when we see weakness in a leader or we see brokenness, we have this tendency like, <clears throat> I don't want my name attached to that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to make them successful. I don't necessarily know if what they're doing is right or that or I like them or whatever. It's a tendency in all of our, <clears throat> in all of our sin nature. Uh, you know, years ago, I worked with a pastor here in the Metroplex. We had moved here from Louisiana, and uh, awesome man of God, loved him dearly. And I'll never, he always was coming up with these crazy ideas to just win more people. He just wanted to touch the world for Jesus. And, uh, and one year, he came up with this idea. He said, I heard that the Grand Prairie uh, Christmas light show um, is selling off all of their old lights. And if you've ever been to the, the Christmas, you know, drive-through, you know, lights that Grand Prairie does there at the, I think it's at their city park, state park, whatever they are, and uh, city. And so, um, and so he's like, let's buy them and let's put them up. And, uh, and we'll make it free to everyone to come drive through our church parking lot, really big parking lot. And we'll make it free and we can win more people to Jesus and we can love on them and show them the love of God uh, during, you know, during Christmas time. And so everybody was like, yeah, but well, the problem was, who does that job going to fall to? It fell to the guy who oversaw all the sub-30 youth and young adults, and it fell to me. And so I'm looking at this task. And the reason why Grand Prairie was selling all of those lights is because they were junk. They were getting rid of them and buying new ones. And so here we are. We bought all these things. And months, we're going through. I'm going through every little light bulb to get it. Where, have you ever had one light bulb in a strand? I want you to picture a display that is 10 foot tall by 10 foot wide with some little Santa Claus thing. And you can't find the one light bulb. And that you, hundreds of thousands of light bulbs. And we're going through every display trying to months and months and months. And then we're going to kick it off Thanksgiving night. And Jamie and I are both only children. Our family at the time 
Our families lived in Louisiana. And so for three years, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, we never got to go home and see our family because we were doing this doggone Christmas thing. And I'm telling you, there were moments in the middle of it, I'm like, up yours. This is dumb. Why are we doing this? And especially, you know, when there's not as many people coming that particular night because it's icing and snowy. And I'm standing out there. Thank you for coming. God bless you. God. Take a left up here. Okay. Praise the Lord. He loves you. Thanks for coming. And I'm having the, are you tracking with me? Come on, you've been in these moments. And I'm having this moment at multiple times where I don't have any honor or respect and I had to make some choices. Are you tracking with me? And I had moments where I could say, this is a bad decision. We need to stop doing it. And then the Lord literally used these passages of scripture for me and said, make this man successful. Make his ministry successful because as you sow, so shall ye reap. If you give here, you'll see it on the backside somewhere in your life. And so I said, you know what? And so, man, and I changed my smile, and I got up in there. I said, "Woo! thank y'all for coming. God bless you. What y'all doing in that limousine? Oh, my God. All right, well, listen. God bless you. This is a church. Don't do all that. Come on through. You can see it. Oh, my goodness. We had a petting zoo. Oh, man, you kid. They called me old Pastor Adam. Some little kid just fell on a rabbit and squished it. He's dead as a door now. I'll go over there. Oh, my goodness. This is good poor. God bless Thank y'all for coming so much. He cost us a fortune killing these rabbits and goats, but we're so glad. May God bless you. And I just made it as successful as I knew how, and I'm working young people, and I'm working young adults, and we're doing it all volunteering. And I'm telling you, it was magnificent and wonderful because I changed my attitude from, I don't like what it's doing to me, but I want to make this successful for the kingdom of God and for this pastor and for his leadership. God kissed it. And I promise you, I am reaping that on this side because of the way you guys serve here and the way you love because I invested there and made them successful. As you sow into making authority successful, I promise you, one day others will sow into making you successful. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. All right, here's the next piece. So we looked at authority. Now I want to move you into the next group and the last final group that we want, to, we want to study, and that is one another. So the Lord, father and mother, authority, and then one another, the Bible says. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Everybody say honor one another above ourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. I like the way the English Standard Version says it. It actually says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine how fun that would be to be married to someone who's trying to out-honor you as you're trying to out-honor them? Can you imagine what it would be like to have friends and, other, and coworkers that you're just outdoing one another and showing respect and gratefulness Remember, what honor is, is to show value, to treat as special, to respect. Each and every one of us have conflict with those who we feel like don't respect us as much as we're trying to respect them. Each and every one of us have this innate need to be respected and honored. But every one of us accidentally dishonor others. We do it. I do it. God checks me on it periodically. Others check me on it periodically. It's not that I mean to. It's just that I get so focused on what I think I need to be doing that I overstep someone else's value. And they don't feel or sense that value. And you and I must learn to show value. Years ago, there was a Dateline special about this family that had been murdered. Fairly wealthy, not super wealthy, fairly wealthy family. And someone came into the home shot the dad in the living room, went up the stairs, shot the mother, and shot the sister and killed them and didn't take anything. 
so that had, a, had an adult child, a son who was college age, off at college, and uh, kind of in the party life. And uh, as the detectives began to investigate, investigate, you know what they found out what, the, what happened? They found out that the son had paid a hitman to kill these people because he wanted to live a lifestyle of partying and his dad had cut off the amount of money he was sending him. And so this young man valued partying more than he valued his own mama, daddy, and sister. And is spending the rest of his days in prison. See, when we devalue others, it will cost us. It'll cost us. The hurt and the pain that we create just simply because we've lost the ability to honor. This young man wanted something. What he wanted was his own selfish experiences. And the Bible says it like this in Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Uh, Jamie and I bought this little piece of property with a couple acres. And it's right here in Cedar Hill. So it's in the city, but it's kind of like this little country feel in the middle of the city. And, uh, and it's got this little gravel road that goes between these properties to get to our property in the back. Well, the man at the front of the road, right there on the boulevard, and the gravel road goes beside his house, it was his family's property. Hundreds of acres over the last however many billions of years was his family's property. And over the years, they sold it off. And pieces here. But he stayed at the front of the property with the little smaller plot of land. And so because property had been sold off, they had to make a gravel road to get to the other people's property that they had sold off from their family property. Ours being one of them. So we're at the end of this gravel road, and it, and, and, and it starts at the front of his property. Well, when you pull onto the gravel road off a of Beltline, and you pull onto our little gravel road, you see these signs, homemade signs. No trespassing. Must not go down this road without permission from owner of road. So people come visit me like, what's up? <laughs> what's going on? Like, we didn't know we were going to get killed coming down this gravel road, down in the woods. Like, what is going on? And what has happened over the time was the city, you know, has to make a way for someone to get to their property. And that family felt a little jilted that they had to have a gravel road go down through their property to get to property that they sell, sold off. So they are the keeper of the road. They are the protector of the road. And the other day, we've, Jamie and I have been adding on to the house, and we've had a good bit of subcontractors coming through. And the other day, the, the, the little sweet gentleman, single older man, waved me down. And he came to the car, and he said, uh, hey, preacher. He said, we got an issue. He's got all this traffic up and down our little private road. He said, we can't have it. So I don't mean to be mean to you, preacher. He said, I'm trying to be nice, try to be neighborly, but I got a little dog that might get run over. And you got all these people coming back and forth. And so I did what a, any good husband would do. I said, sir, I'm so sorry. That's my wife. She's, she's got all these Amazon packages coming. I don't even know what to say about it. I don't even know what to say. And, uh, and I said, no. I said, I said, I said listen, we, we're building out some stuff. So it's just a lot of contractors, subcontractors coming back and forth doing work. I said, it'll be over in a little bit. Now, preacher, I just need to tell you, I don't mean to be rude or nothing. He said, but I, I just, I, you, we can't have it, all right? Maybe your wife can get the packages put at the front of the uh, gravel road here, and she can pick them up later and have them dropped off here so they don't drive up and down the gravel road. And I'm thinking the whole time, my wife is not going to have no packages set on the side of a gravel road and pick them up at the end of the day. That ain't happening. And uh, uh, she wants them at her door like the rest of us. And, uh, and, so, and so I'm just listening to him. But the moment he starts into it, something inside of me 
starts bubbling up. I find myself, and you got to understand, when you're ADDDHDDD like I am, I have seven TV screens going on in my mind at a time. So if you ever hear me say something like, ooh, pastor shouldn't have said that, I just picked the wrong screen in that moment. I mean, it just shouldn't have, you know, I meant not to do number seven. I should have went with number one, but I just, seven was so cool looking in that moment. Not thought through what seven was going to do, right? The ramification, all the ADD people are laughing right now because you, you're tracking with me. And so I had this moment where I'm thinking, I'm about to blast this old guy. Like, you don't own no road. Are you out of your ever-living mind? I'll have as many people come down this road as I want to have come down this road. I own the property down here. I bought and paid for it, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. And as much as you are living in a fantasy world that you own this gravel road, you don't own the gravel road. Go check with the city. I'm having all of that. I've seen all those YouTube videos of these neighbors fighting with each other about all this stuff. I am loaded to bear and ready to happen. And all of a sudden, on screen number three, I had this imagery of some dude preaching at this church called Hill City about honor. This just happened three days ago about honor, just about honor and loving your neighbors and treating people with respect. I found myself say, sir, I am so sorry. I'm sorry that that's happening. And I promise you, give us a little bit of time. That's going to close it. And I'm going to talk with my wife and see if we can, because we got to take care of your little dog. We can't let your little dog get run over. That's right. We can't let my dog get. And you're a good neighbor. I am a good neighbor. I'm a good neighbor. And, uh, and, and you love God. I do love God. And then he goes on. He goes, in fact, if you got any single old women at your church, I'm looking for a woman. <laughs> God, this moment, I promise you. This is how the conversation went. And so I said, man, I have a friend who has a church in Cedar Hill. That, I'm going to talk to him about you getting a wife from his church. I'm taking care of you ladies. I'm not going to let it. <laughs> you know, crazy. Anyway, so, so the next day, I'm driving past. He's got his back turned to me. He's doing something in his garden. I stop. I roll down the window. I said, hey. You got a second? Oh, yeah, preacher. Yeah. I said, hey, listen, I am so sorry about all the traffic. Thank you for talking to me yesterday. And I, listen, you're a good man, and I, I just, I just want, I want good stuff for you, and I'm so sorry we're creating some of this, you know, this little chaos and stuff. And, and yeah, well, we, gotta, we don't want to be on the boulevard. We got to grab a road for a racing. And I, that's right, you know, and I, and I just want to do my best. I just thank you so much for, uh, for pointing that out to me. I want to do better for you. And he's like, oh, all right, well. All right. Well, look, you need anything down there? It started changing because I started showing honor and respect. I was late for first service today. You know it's bad when the preacher's late for the service, you know? <laughs> because as I'm pulling out, there he is. I stopped again. I initiated that because I wanted him to know that I value you. And though I vehemently disagree with your opinion... And all the crazy signs that are freaking out every friend of mine. I mean, think about all my black friends coming down. Like, uh-uh, no, sir. I ain't going down in the backwoods. They got signs like this. You know, I've got to process all of that, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy is just really creating havoc for my life. But by showing him honor, not only did I feel and sense the favor of God, but I also saw his attitude change. Because a little bit of honor goes along. Honor one another. Treat one another is valuable. The problem comes in, again, like I said earlier, is when we don't feel like the other person is honoring us. And this is what you see a lot in marriage. You see this a lot in marriage. A lot of those of you that are connected to marriage counseling and difficulties and things like that that you've walked through, you'll be able to point towards this, that marriage, marriage can be the place, and I know I've done this to Miss Jamie frequently, and she has to help me. Uh, you know, I just know that she's always going to be there. 
So because I know she's always going to be there because she's given me such uh, confidence that she loves me, I think that sometimes, and I know I do because she tells me, that sometimes I don't treat her as valuable as I believe she is to me. It's not that I meant to disrespect her. I just, I just didn't, I didn't see it. I just kind of, I just know she's always going to be there, so I just, uh, she doesn't feel that specialness she needs to feel, feel at times. And so you and I, when we feel like we're giving more value than, than the other person is giving back to us, that's where the conflict comes in. And so here's what I would teach you to do in that. I would teach you to begin to have your CKCs. CKCs. Everybody say CKC. Do you know what a CKC is? Courageous, kind conversations. Courageous, kind conversations. In fact, as a husband or wife, every now and then you need to say, hey, I think we need to have a CKC. As a, another member of the church who you felt like you know, didn't respect you. And so, hey, can we have a CK? I want to have a courageous, kind conversation with you. I don't, Matthew chapter 18 actually teaches us to do that. If your brother sins against you or offends you, go to them. And what, what happens a lot of time in church life, what happens a lot of time in the way you were raised, a lot of times we just like, whatever, they did me wrong. You know, whatever, you're out, I don't care. And then some of us even will build a case against them with everybody else. That's gossip and slander. Where the Bible tells us to go to them, to have a courageous, kind conversation. And the Bible says if you can work it out, great. And if not, and you got to bring somebody else in on it, then you got to do what you got to do and keep working the process of trying to get resolved and to show that we actually honor one another. You honor someone when you reach out to them and say, you've hurt me. I felt like that was disrespectful. You're showing honor by pointing that out to someone. The fact that you and I don't do that well is proof that we all need to grow and we all need to mature a little bit. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Come on, you believe that? Say yes. Dr. John Gottman, who's a professor of university at Washington, and he's, he's in counseling and therapy. Uh, he's done 40 years of counseling and therapy, and he's you know, known as one of the premier marriage counselors. He says this. He says, I can tell within 15 minutes of first meeting a couple whether or not they're going to make it. 15 minutes. Don't even need to talk to them very long. 15 minutes. He says, and it all goes back down to this one deciding factor, whether or not they respect each other in those 15 minutes. Do they honor and value each other in those? He said, I, I got it down to a 91% success rate in being able to tell if they're going to survive or not, whether or not, based on one factor, do they show contempt or do they show great honor for one another? You can have major difficulties, but if you'll honor one another and treat one another with value, I promise you, if you'll do that, it will heal every broken spot that the enemy's trying to create. Every broken piece. You say, oh, my, my, my husband and I, we just don't do well. But, you know, I don't think we're compatible. Start trying to honor each other. Start learning what it is to respect one another, to value, to treat as valuable. Start finding what does your spouse need to feel valued. You got a problem at work with a coworker. Start trying to figure out what do they need to be valued. What, do, what can I do? What can I say? What can I do to begin to show them value? Because as you sow that you will reap. If you sow honor, you will reap honor. If you say, I'm sowing and sowing and sowing and I'm not reaping, then you need to have a CKC. You need to have a kind, courageous conversation. Hey, listen, I feel like I'm giving everything at this job and nobody else is. And I feel like you are lazy. I'm doing half your job and half my job. And I just, I just I, but because I respect you, I'm not going to go around gossiping, talking bad about you, go to the boss around you. That's not where I want to start. I want to start with you and I trying to figure this thing out because I respect you enough to be a man and come straight to you, to be a woman and, and look you in the eye. 
So with that being said, can I give you a couple of practical things that I've learned over the years? Just practical honoring tips. So that'd be all right. Say yes. Thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, number one, here's a couple. Here's a little practical honorable tip. Hold the door for people. Open the door for people. God bless you. Sometimes when I'm waiting at a restaurant, waiting for them to call our table, and I'm just sitting in the little lobby, I'll just stand at the door, open up. Hey, welcome. Welcome to Applebee's. So grateful that you're here. God bless you. God bless you. You're like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Every now and then, somebody, do you work here? No, I just want to, you know, just want to hold the door. I ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> Let's do it. You know how far that goes? Uh, I, here's another little practical thing. Um, I refuse to enter into complaining and gossiping with others. Just refuse to say, you know, ah, ah they're good people. Ah, they probably blew it today. Well, I just, I don't want to get into all that. Let's not get into all that. Let's just give them a little bit of, a little bit of space. That's a good way to honor. Here's another little tip to honor, a little practical, and that is um, uh, help people load and unload stuff if you see them trying to get in their car. This happened to me uh, actually two days ago. I was at Home Depot. I was just picking up something. I was actually on my motorcycle, and so I'm about to get, you know, there's a lot of gear to put on a motorcycle for you. And, I, and there's this little Hispanic couple, little elderly couple, and they had bought, I don't know what they were thinking, they had bought a sink that was bigger than them, and they had bought, and they had bought like a, a, a vanity or something, and they're trying to get it in the back of this truck. And you can see them. They're just looking at it. And they're kind of scooting it around on the cart, and, uh, and nobody, uh, nobody who works there has volunteered to help them, and I guess they didn't know to ask. Their English wasn't as, as that strong, and so I saw them, and I just like, I'm going to help them. And so I walked over to them. I said, can I help you guys with this? And at first, they thought, like, he's going to rob me or something. Like, whoa, you know, because who walks up to you in the parking lot when you're trying to put your stuff in the car? And so I said, you want me to help? I started grabbing it, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so me and the older gentleman, we kind of got it up on the thing and got it in the back of his truck, and she's just in there, oh, gracias, gracias. And, you know, I don't know any Spanish. I got a few, you know, gloria adios, uh, fuego del Espíritu Santo, so that wasn't going to work. Uh, the only, uh, baño, so that wasn't going to work. So I was just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, you yeah, know, they were so grateful. And just a little bit of honor, just a little bit of respect, just a little. You know, here, here's the other thing I would teach you to do, and that is tip. If you're going to go eat at a restaurant and you're going to sit down and someone's going to serve you, tip them. Yes. I am I, it's so shameful to hear that we don't do that as Christians sometimes. That person's working their tail off to try to try to make a living, and they're they're making they're barely making it. If they're in a job, a service job like that, treat them with respect enough to say, you know what, tip them. And you say, well, what happens when they don't do it right and they don't they don't serve me right? I, l- let me tell you what I've done in the past, and I've had this happen a couple times. I don't know why I seem to get the people who have not either been trained properly or in the wrong profession. They should not be working in this field. And so I had one, you know, not so long ago, and I mean, listen, and. and and nothing frustrates me more than to give them an order, knowing that, and I tell them, hey, I'm going to do something weird. I'm so sorry. I'm going to change a little bit. I'm going to ask that there's no onions in that and no bell peppers. It doesn't really work with me. Can you do that? Yes, sir, we can do that. And, and then I'll say, you're going to write it down? Oh, no, I got it in my head. All right. I don't know why y'all think y'all have photographic memories, but that ain't, all right, let's try it. Let's go see it. And without fail, they always mess it up, and, and it's always take it back and that kind of stuff, and so working and that kind of thing. And I had this one particular person recently that d- got all the orders wrong. We had a couple people at the table. Uh, didn't come back and check on us. We, we sat there, you know, with no water for, you know, for 45 minutes. And then finally brought us the bill and that kind of thing. And so, so I, you know, put the credit card, brought it back, signed up, and I tipped them 20%. But when they came to get the bill back, you know, they wanted to, you know, cash out, I said, can I, I hey, I want to say something to you. Hey, I tipped you 20%. I said, and I did that, and I need you to know, you did not service us well. And I don't want to be the old guy that does all that, wants to bring correction. But at the same time, I just need to point out to you, you didn't fill back up our water drinks. 
our drinks. You, 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 didn't, you, didn't, um, you didn't get the order right. And I know you're probably just having one of those days. So let me just, I just want to encourage you. I honor your effort that you're trying to do good. Thank you for having a job. Thank you for not getting out there trying to rob people. Come on, somebody. I'm just so grateful that you have a job. Good job, girlfriend. And, uh, and so thank you. And, and so I want to honor you with that. But I do want to point out to you, you might be in the wrong profession. Just saying. You might want to try something else. I mean, it doesn't seem to be natural for you. And, uh, and they were like, thank you so much. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but I do want to honor you. And I do want to treat you as valuable. Here's another little tip that I would give you in way, practical ways that I show honor. And that is look people in the face and in their eyes when you're talking to them. Look them in the eye. I can't tell you how many times I have almost just slapped somebody. Like, are you kidding me? And listen, teach your kids this. Don't let them have their phones at the table. Set the, set the phone down. Let's have a conversation. Look each other in the eye. We need, we need to look each other in the eye and say, man, I appreciate you. Look people in the eye. Don't, don't, don't look off and say, well, I'm just not really good at that. We'll learn to be. It's a sign. It's, it shows respect. It shows honor. In the South, I've taught my children say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. You say, I'm not from that. I think that's stupid. Well, the reason why we do it here in the South is because it's a sign of honor and respect. And I'll do that with ladies who may be only a couple years older than me. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I bless you, Miss Donna. I bless you. I'll call them miss. It's a sign of respect for me. It's not, it has nothing to do with, you know, how old or young I think they are. It's just I want to show you respect. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to know that I value you enough. I mean, if someone worked hard to get a doctorate degree, call them doctor. I ain't doing it. You will never have to call me Dr. McCain. I promise you right now. I'm just telling you right now. Unless the Lord says, I say never, Lord, I repent. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I just want you to know, I mean, show honor to people. They made efforts in their life. Honor that. Here's another thing. You ready? Still with me? Say yes. It's just practical things. When there's been a difficulty, come back around and apologize. If you made a mistake and you realize it, go back around and apologize. The Bible actually says, it talks about it. It says, if you're before the Lord offering your worship gift and realize that you've offended your brother, stop what you're doing. Leave your gift of sacrifice at the altar and go and make it right with your brother. You know, oh, well, I just, oh, man, I blew that one. Go make it right. Call them. Text them. Go see them. Look them in the eye. And here's the last little tip that I would give you about how to show honor. Read body language a little bit better. Some of you are oblivious. And let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. If you start into what you think is a three-minute conversation, but we all know it's going to be a 45-minute conversation with you, read our body language. If you see us like, uh-huh, all right, well, that's good. That's good. And you keep following us all down every aisle at Walmart to tell or finish your story, be a little bit more sensitive. We're not saying we don't like you. We're just saying we have an appointment and we're on a schedule. Could you respect us enough to recognize that? Could you read a little bit of body language and then maybe have a little bit of wisdom? Say, I really want to tell you this whole story. Would you have time later? Because I got to tell you this. And give us the opportunity to say, absolutely. Because we do honor and respect you back. But if you find yourself chasing people all through Walmart to have a conversation, you're missing some body language cues. I just want to help you with that, all right? And you're being disrespectful to their time and their schedule and what they put in place. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Some of you guys that just show up at our house unannounced, don't do it. It's disrisrespectful. I, 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 I don't even know where my britches are at right now, all right? So give me a, call me. Give me a little bit of time. Come on, you tracking? Everybody say amen. This is good. Stuff. This is what honor and respect looks like. Honor one another. 
honor authority. Those are the two positions that we looked at today, two entities we looked at today, as the scriptures tell us. I don't know about you, but I want to do well with honor and authority. I don't know about you, I want to do well with honoring others. Because the Lord loved humanity so much that he climbed up on that cross and said, your life is so valuable, I will die to save you. I will give my life so that you can live. And if Jesus, if Jesus died for all of humanity, how dare us disrespect him? Do you know why we have prejudice? Because people are so concerned about themselves that they don't see the needs of others. That's what prejudice is. When you recognize, hey, that brother needs me, that sister needs me. I don't care if they look like me, talk like me, act a little different. They have need of me, and they are valuable. They are valuable. The fact they're sucking air off this planet, they're valuable to God. We studied last week. They were wonderfully and fearfully made in their mothers. God knew them and planned out their days before they were ever given life. And so if he values them that much, we should value them as well. Would you stand with me all across the room?